Camille had said to the video camera. Fourteen days. If the coalition forces did not start to withdraw from Iraq by the fourteenth day, it was the will of Allah that Johnny be killed. Fourteen days. And today was the fourteenth day. Johnny had asked for a radio and newspapers, but Camille had said that that wasn't possible. Johnny knew why. The media would report his capture and the demands of his captors. Camille had provided him with a paperback book, though, The Da Vinci Code. Johnny had always meant to read it, but had never had the time. Now he had nothing else to do in the basement, but try as he might, he couldn't concentrate on it. Camille had brought in a travel chess set, and they had played several games. Johnny was a reasonable player, but he lost every time. All he could think about was the deadline, the deadline that would end with his death. It was impossible to concentrate on anything else. Johnny knew that Camille's demands could not be met, but there was another option. Money. Cold, hard cash. Johnny's father had money. A lot of money. J.J. Lake was a property developer in Chicago, and Johnny was sure his father would pay whatever ransom was necessary to get him released. It was all about money, Johnny knew. What had happened in Iraq was everything to do with money and virtually nothing to do with religion. If his captors were offered enough money, they would release him. J.J. Lake knew people. He'd met Oprah Winfrey, Donald Trump, and politicians right across the country. He'd been calling in favours left, right and centre and pulling whatever strings needed pulling. That was the hope Johnny clung to. If anyone could save him, it was his father. The newspapers he worked for would be doing their bit too. So would the rest of the media. Johnny was a journalist, and journalists looked after their own. They would put pressure on the government to act. Editorials would be written, questions would be asked, everything the authorities did or didn't do would be scrutinised. They'd speak to sympathetic Muslims and get them to put pressure on the fundamentalists. Camille wasn't stupid. He'd realised there was nothing to be gained by killing Johnny. But if he released him, they'd show the world they could be merciful. There were three loud bangs on the door. There was no handle on it and no lock, just a peephole through which his captors could watch him. "'Stand by the wall, please, Johnny!' shouted Camille. Johnny got to his feet and did as he was told. Every time the door was opened, he had to stand by the far wall with his hands outstretched. Johnny knew it was so that he couldn't catch them by surprise, but he didn't know why they bothered. His captors had guns, and Johnny wasn't a fighter. They knew that. He was a journalist, and hadn't been in a fight since he'd left elementary school. The visit was unexpected. It was early afternoon, and he'd been fed two hours earlier. Camille had brought him a paper plate filled with Kubat Berghul, doughy shells of bulgur wheat wrapped around lightly spiced mincemeat and onion, He'd shared the meal with Johnny, and they talked about baseball. Camille never discussed politics or what was happening in Iraq. Sports, movies and music were pretty much all he talked about. Small talk. 
idle chit-chat to while away the time, until they killed him. The door opened. Camille stood in the doorway with an orange jumpsuit. We need another video, said Camille, walking over to him. We need to show that you are still alive. He held out the jumpsuit. Okay, said Johnny, hesitantly. He lowered his arms, but made no attempt to take the jumpsuit. Do not worry, Johnny, said Camille. It is a video, nothing more. Has my father been in touch yet? asked Johnny. Camille shrugged. I wouldn't know if he had, he said. We don't talk to anybody. But if he's trying to pay a ransom, how will they tell you? We'll be